Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Listeners, it's going to be a very different Christmas. I hope you're all okay. And if I may, let me bring you some Christmas cheer. Welcome to a, I'm going to say it, a ho ho homo sapiens Christmas special. Have you got a mince pie at the ready? Have you got some eggnog? I have both. And I've got a little beer, actually, because I'm excited about this Christmas special that we've got for you. We've got Joe Lysett on the show. He is the most incredibly funny stand-up comedian who you probably know from shows like Joe Lysett's Got Your Back, which is his brilliant consumer show where he manages to get up brands, big companies' noses in the most funny and hilarious way. But he does Sewing Bee as well, which I adore, and also does brilliant stuff with his activism. So he's not the first person that was bring to mind when you think of an activist, an LGBTQ plus activist. But he has done incredible stuff calling out big brands, big companies for some of their really hypocritical um, stuff that they've done. And we'll hear from him about some of the incredible things he's done. Um, but he also is pansexual, a very underrepresented part of the LGBTQ plus community. So we talk about that. I adore Joe. He is sweetness and light. He is absolutely hysterical. And he brings so much festive cheer. He's the perfect person to have on this Christmas. I want to see your Christmas decorations as well, because we're going to have a debate. I want to know what kind of Christmas decorations he favours. So FYI, recorded before the new lockdown measures were put in place. Let's get on with it. Let's have a listen and a chat with Joe Lysett. I'm preparing, preparing for a gruelling podcast where I'm savaged. <laughs> You've seen Frost Nixon, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be like that. I imagine this is what Nixon wanted to wear. So Joe's got a lovely bit of tinsel arranged over the back of his bedhead. Yes. And pièce de résistance, there is a piece of tinsel atop his head. Yeah. On my Mark Silcox hat. Oh, now who's Mark Silcox? Mark Silcox is my sidekick on my Channel 4 show. He's a, he's a oh. stand-up actor, but he's one of the most ludicrous people I've ever met. He started selling this merch, and it's all really shit. Like The, the logo isn't even centred on the hat. And the logo is, is it, Oh, yeah, God, that is bad. That, so has he done it on one of those websites? He's done it on one of those websites. I ordered five of them because I'm just... I don't know. I actually don't know why I did it. Because you're a friend. Because I'm a dear friend. And they took ages to arrive. And then I had to pay extra because they'd come from America and they hadn't paid the customs charge. So they're, oh, they're actually that. incredibly expensive hats. And they're, <laughs> and they're really shit. And I, and, but I love it. So I've put, I've put the, uh, sorry to Mark, but I've put the tinsel over his logo and, and face. Great. This could have been a major advertising opportunity for him. Yeah, but he's fucked it. Joe, I want to ask you first, what is Christmas like in the Lysett household? I cooked for the first time uh, in my house last year. So I, I hosted it last year. And I don't normally like Christmas. I'm a little bit... I feel like it drags on, doesn't it? Yes. I realised when people arrived, they arrived at about 11. <laughs> and, they, and they left 
at about 1 a.m. 14 hours, which is a nurse's shift. <laughs> it's a long time to be doing like stuff and sort of entertaining. I mean, I was totally blotted by the end of it, so it doesn't matter. I saw porn star martinis. But actually, it was really lovely. And I, I, I really relished the, um, the cooking part of it. I did all the cooking. And I loved the challenge of it. And I so last year was really good fun. It's one of my favourites ever. But since like the kind of sheen of the presence sort of has worn off, a lot of the sheen mm. has worn off. And I found it a really tricky time, actually. Because I feel like I should be enjoying it and going, oh, my God, this is the best day ever. But I, I'm not. Mm. I'm just, I'm overeating. I think that Christmas has turned into this two-month event. And by the time you reach Christmas Day... Mm. You're over it. Yeah, the idea of like cranberry sauce or anything actually makes you want to heave. Yeah. But... What I want to do next year is December the 1st, have loads of friends round and have a Christmas day, maybe even some family, and have a Christmas day celebration right at the beginning while it's fresh in all of our minds. Yes. And everything's exciting. And then at the end, when we actually have to do Christmas day, you just go, fine, it's just a thing, but we're just going through the motions because you haven't, you're not worn out of the idea by then. Yeah. My only issue with that is, (laughs) I mean, I've got a few issues with that. Always open to feedback. (laughs) Well, let me give you some bloody feedback on your December 1st Christmas thing. Uh, I did a Thanksgiving. When is Thanksgiving? It's like end of November, isn't it? Yeah. That's that's the thing to do because it's a slightly separate ceremony that we don't really adhere to and it feels like a novelty. So do a th- right. Thanksgiving dinner because if you're doing the Christmas dinner, I feel like that month everyone's going like, oh, we must meet up. For the uh, before Christmas, or must get it in, and it's actually just filling the diary with more pricks, isn't it? <laughs> and there's there's enough pricks. We don't need any more pricks. So, um, no. So actually, I think December the first, go into a very dark room with a bottle of Chateau Neuf de Pap alone, <laughs> maybe a salt bath, and that's the tradition. Is at the start of the month to prepare yourself for the incoming really remove yourself from society are you a colored lights family are you a white lights family colored tinsel what's the vibe these were the sort of grilling questions i was hoping for (laughs) i'm really glad you asked though because that is i think that is a measure of um of someone it really is colored lights colored tinsel any of these can all get right in the bin no not classy at all horrible (gasps) trashy yeah gauche horrible Nice little white lights, a bit of silver tinsel, maybe gold. But I think keep it simple. And then if you really want to sort of splash about with it, maybe some unusual baubles. A friend of mine called Tat Vision, he's an artist in Birmingham, (laughs) and he makes really mad, weird sculptures, is making bespoke baubles with clay. And you can have, he'll make a weird face on a bauble for you. And, uh, oh, I love that. And I've commissioned him to make a couple for my Christmas tree. So, and like paper chase do some fun ones, don't they? Like little sloths and things on them. So, unusual baubles, I'm open to, but stick with stick with silver and white, please. Now, all Christmas lights seem to be these weird blue LED things, mm. and I like the old glowing ones. Do you remember them? Yeah. Yes, I think so. Yeah, the ones that are sort of a, a fire hazard. Yes, the the ones that sent the tree up in flames. Those are the ones I want. Yes. What are you drinking there? You got yourself a little cold gold. I'm having a little beer. Yeah. Yes, a cold gold. Merry Christmas. What were your childhood Christmases like? Great. Loved Christmas when I was a kid. I loved the gift side of it. Yeah, really enjoyed 
the kind of build up to it and the magic of Santa and all of that. And mum and dad were really good at it, at like kind of making sure that I put a mince pie out for him and all of those lovely traditions. Oh. So I've got nothing but joyous memories. There was one Christmas when I wanted a, pl- I think it's the PlayStation 2 had come out and I really mm-hmm. wanted it. And I woke up Christmas morning and it wasn't there. There was just a check for about two thirds of the price of a PlayStation. And <laughs> I was, I, I, you know, um, I was a respectful and dignified child and I took the disappointment with grace and, um, and I said, oh, well, yeah, I'll save up the pocket money and all that. And dad was like, yeah, yeah. And maybe by next Christmas, you'll have enough for a game as well. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And he was like, he was Body blow. You know, quite enjoying it. Anyway, so there was like know, a few hours went by and then mum was like, Joe, I think there's something in the back room that I didn't spot. And there it was, the PlayStation with the games I wanted. And I lost my mind. I was so like, it was the, and I remember it. Just, I said to mum, like, that was the best because I felt like I'd got used to the idea of not having it. And then to have it was just magic. So it's really quite smart. So I recommend that. Is that because um, what my perception is, you had like a really happy childhood. And yeah. was it quite a pranking household? No, not really. Humour was like we always like there was always a kind of dry humour around, but pranking wasn't a thing. But yeah, it was um, young childhood and outside of like the family home, the family life was always very happy and very inclusive and uh, loving and warm and safe, and continues to mm-hmm. be. Mum and dad are still going strong. Their house is the same as the one I grew up in, and I still feel very happy there when I visit. Oh, it's lovely. Are you a funny family then? Yeah, I'd say so. I think Dad is the sort of more obvious one. He like when he gets going, he can be really funny. If you get him in the right mood, he's really funny. But Mum has really kind of come out of her shell, particularly on social media. Um, she's very funny. She's on Instagram. Her she posts her art mainly on Instagram, and then she tweets a bit. But her responses to things that I do, particularly if they're rude or whatever are often really funny and really well paced out it's always unexpected because i think my mum on social media doesn't always know that it's public what she's writing so she'll like write on someone's wall like hi janet how's your bunion or whatever and you're like oh i've got three bags of onions do you want one yeah and i'm like she doesn't know that's public yeah do you know what i mean like so is she no is she doing it in a performative way no mu- yeah it's performative mum knows she's savvy <laughs> she knows she knows she's aware she's, of her yeah. audience unlike some of my family who like aunties and uncles who are so funny because they have no clue to the point where they're, they're slagging each other off really they don't, they don't realize yeah it's fabulous <gasps> a person who i know who's older was obviously on facebook maybe they'd had a drink i don't know and they were obviously looking up people on facebook but they were accidentally just typing it into the status bar because they're both white boxes quite honestly it's very easy to not realize <laughs> so it's just names and i was like oh no they don't realize they're publicly <laughs> publicly searching probably for people they used to you know stuff at school and stuff yeah. you know you're like i'm just gonna look up that ex-boyfriend mm. or whatever it's perilous isn't it <laughs> Dad's not on social media officially. Dad actually does the opposite. He has a private account. He calls himself Robert Smith. <laughs> oh, I don't know why. Of the cure? Is it a fan account? 
It's a fan <laughs> account of Robert Smith. And it's like Rob, Robert S and then loads of numbers. And it's oh, yeah. a private account, but he's not officially told any of us that it's him. But <gasps> mum spotted this weird account following her. and She did some investigation. She worked it out it was him. So now he's only followed by like me, my sister, mum, maybe an auntie. But because it's a private account, nobody else can see his tweets. But if somebody says something to me on Twitter that's like, slags me off or whatever, he will reply to <laughs> yeah. them with some witty comeback. But they can't see it because he's a private account. So, <laughs> so he's actually the opposite in that he thinks he's speaking <laughs> to the world and he thinks he's sort of taking people on for me. But actually, he's speaking to nobody but me, mum and my sister. That's a lovely way round to have it, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's much it's better. Sort that of way, like, yeah. He can go full teeth out, but nothing will come of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He should use that more, really. Because I think you're one of the people who has the most lovely relationship on Twitter. You sort of make Twitter look good. And it's. I think you give a lot of joy and it comes from a nice place. Oh, that's but... nice of you to say. Thank you. Uh, it's really lovely the way you do it. Or is there trolls as well for you and oh, yeah, as, but like, as much this, as the re- next person? It depends who the next person is. If the next person is a woman, then no. Or trans or a- 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 any of the people that they feel that they can have a proper go at, then no, I get nothing nowhere near. People are generally nice to me. But it, it's yes. interesting. Occasionally, it normally tallies to if I've done something on ITV. If I've done something there... Ooh someone's slagging me off somewhere really yeah itv audiences just think who's this twat really? <laughs> um <laughs> i don't often do things on itv but um yeah i i have to ashamedly admit that occasionally you sent me hate tweets yeah, yeah. having seen me on itv that's me at chris 4000 <laughs> is me no um so this is, I, I suppose I'm very lucky that all I can do is I can do this from a voyeuristic point of view. But sometimes on like Daily Mail articles, I try not to read them. But if one happens to land in my right in my face, I will go, I'm just going to look at the comments mm. because I'm just going to see yeah. what craziness. Actually, all the Times, hello, like it doesn't have to be the Daily Mail. The, the Times is nearly as bad. Mm. And the Guardian. It's just the, the hysteria yeah. is kind of unmatched yeah <laughs> to, to to the necessity it's definitely unnecessary but it's also outweighs the the weight of the article often yeah here we go again is always the thing you're like really do, do you not think so when i was growing up so as i say like my family life was very happy but i felt like the outer world school and birmingham i suppose is where i was hanging out i felt like the vast majority of people not the vast majority, but the larger percentage of people were like old-fashioned, homophobic, fuddy-duddy, full of bullshit, full of silly old ideas. And I thought that saw what the world was. And then as I got mm. a bit older, like in my 20s, I was like, oh, there's loads of people that like things that I like. And there's loads of people like me and people who like a nice font and a good coffee and uh, mm. gays and good Christmas decorations, you know, really gorgeous, classy Christmas decorations. And that aren't full of vitriol for minorities and all of this. And I started to go mm. like, Oh, like the world's actually, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't have a great measure of it. And then I feel like in the last five years, everything's sort of gone back the other way. I'm like, oh, 
fucking hell, where are these pricks are always still here. Didn't even realise. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I, I feel the same. What used to happen when we were younger is that it was a bit more unsaid that certain things were thought because there wasn't a lot of arenas for things to be let's say hate speech to be said a lot. Whereas social media has opened up this constant dialogue of 24 7 there is a place to go yeah and i wonder if it's that that it was always there it's just now it has a, a voice and the plus side is that you could go and find other people who you like to like you but also those dissenting voices can group together and create yeah donald trump yeah or a movement or something i don't know maybe it's that no i think i think you're absolutely right I'm not that political as a person, but you don't really have a choice in these times when you have someone like Donald mm. Trump and uh, a lot of the things that are going on in the world, you sort of do have to pick a side. As a comic, it's quite interesting because to know all is to forgive all, is that the um, the quote? And, oh, okay, and I, don't know. And, and part of the joy of stand-up for me is that when I came a- across like homophobia in my stand-up early, early days and... I remember quite enjoying it because it was a sort of novelty to me. I was sort of like, oh, how how <laughs> how unusual that you have these thoughts because they're so <laughs> ridiculous to me. And and they're so sort of, I can see them so clearly as wrong. I, I'm not going to entertain them in a serious way. So I'll play mm. with them and I'll be silly with them. And so I've, I've kind of always felt like with these sort of extreme views that they're kind of funny in a weird way. Mm. they don't seem that serious to me or at least they didn't and then in the last five years i've been like oh but millions of people have them (laughs) and then and then suddenly (laughs) it's like oh shit there's like this wall of them and and you don't really know then you don't really know when i was starting out in stand-up every so often you'd have someone who'd just be a bit of a dickhead Mm. and because the rest of the room was with you you could go we've got strength in numbers here and now it's like a really good example was Brexit. There was normally pretty much with stand-up audiences, you could say, you could be quite clear with like gay rights or uh, women's rights or all sorts of different things that are essentially left-wing ideologies. And you would be fairly guaranteed that your audience would go, yep, yeah, haha, funny, we like that, we agree with it. And maybe yeah. I got spoiled because the minute Brexit happened, and I've tested the waters a little bit on like the first few shows after Brexit happened. And it became very clear that no one was up for laughing about it. It wasn't wow. that audiences were polarized on it. And so unless you were going to be like a Nish Kumar and really kind of dig your heels in with it. And I mean, good. He's, he's done brilliantly with it, but that's not what the, the style of stuff that I do. Um, mm. It was just really interesting that like, something changed then where you're like, ah, I'm, I won't always be able to read the room and be able to kind of make a comment about certain things politically because they're... Well, that's... I don't know how I've got onto this. Merry Christmas. 
I want to ask you, because you did said once upon a time, and it's probably not true anymore, I don't know, that at Christmas you desperately want to cuddle, which I understand is Joe Lysett language for sex. Yeah, that's about right, I'd say. Why is that? Um, I'm just tired at Christmas. Well, yes, I don't want any sort of particularly um, uh, energetic cuddles. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking oh, really God. ideally for that's s- long in the past i'm ideally really chris looking for someone to come round at about 11 a.m wank me off and then leave quietly <laughs> we've got half the family there surely somebody could you know take a break from doing <laughs> doing the roast potatoes it's tradition <laughs> yeah i think because i normally when i'm working or i'm busy i'm not really that I'm, I'm single and quite happily single. And I discovered in lockdown, particularly like, you know, I thought, oh, this could, I could really feel my sort of solitude here. And actually, I really felt it in a really good way. I was like, oh, God, I can do whatever I like. I really loved it. Um, mm. But then at Christmas, I think, because it's cold, I think there is a psychology to the kind of the cold and the things slowing down and all that. But I think it's because I stopped working and I sort of have to just spare time. It's it's more mm. out of boredom than anything else. I'm just like, what shall I do? <laughs> It'd be nice, nice to have a cuddle. So, anyone interested, write to hello at homosapienspodcast.com. <laughs> we'll field do. the good ones for you, Joe. Please, could you? Yes, that would be that would be lovely. Thank you. We will be inundated. I wasn't sure if I was right about this or not, but I was wondering if I had heard you sort of alluding to the fact that you're not that keen on dating. No, I'm not really. I mean, I do like it occasionally and i have been on some really fun dates in the past but um i I don't have the necessity for a partner and i don't get that horny that often that the the risk of an awkward horrible time is greater than than it's worth really a lot of the time because i've not had awful horrible times but you just get there and you go i know immediately it's not right and now it's just yeah. now I've just sort of wasted an evening. So I've got some friends who are like, "Oh, well, then you just leave." I'm like, "No, I sort of." Then I'm in. Then and I'm, once I've got a glass, then I'm like drinking more and more. And yeah, I, I'm not very good at going. I've decided, and it's not good news. <laughs> bye bye. I'm not good at that. I sort of. Well, that's the hardest thing in the world to do. Yeah, it is. It is. So, so I just can't be bothered with that. Really, I think if if mm. if I was more confident in going like. Uh, being on, honest uh, up front with people going like, oh I'm not into this or whatever then maybe I'd be more into it but um, I, I'd much rather meet up with old friends who I haven't seen for ages and you know have a nice boozy dinner and that excites me far more than meeting a stranger that w- might end up you know touching me <laughs> what I always used to do was just say I can meet you for one drink Oh, and then so sort of set out at the beginning. Yeah, because I've got to go on somewhere else. Because then you can just have the quick half hour drink. Yes, and then you don't have to. Because I, what I used to do is the worse it was, the more I'd sort of stick around and get drunk to try and make it okay. Yeah, that's that was where I. (laughs) (laughs) That's where I've gone wrong, isn't it? But I'm also I'm a talker. I can't bear silences, and so if someone's nervous or awkward when I meet them then I just essentially end up doing a monologue and mm, then I'm exhausted. Yes. Because it's... It's exhausting carrying that weight. It is. So one drink is a beautiful idea. I'm really busy. I've only got time for one drink. That sounds really cool and sexy, doesn't it? One drink, actually. <laughs> uh, sorry, I've only got time for one drink. <laughs> exactly. What are you doing afterwards? Oh, I'm uh, going to go home and cry in the bath. <laughs> 
How is your garden, by the way? I've loved the updates. This surprised me. Thank you. Literally, it was one afternoon I took some pictures of the garden and I thought it'd be funny to just swear all over the pictures <laughs> when I posted them to... I don't... Like, not even like, ha-ha, funny. I just thought like, oh, that'll be a bit different. You know, that's... And people go fucking mad for it. Me calling a hanging basket a basket of slags. People love it. It's because it's like... Not that you need your own theory explained back at you, but I'll give it a go. I don't know. I, I, I want to know. If you think about it, like gardening is like Antiques Roadshow. It's done with an expert and it's very reverential of the item and the plant and it's very beautiful and it likes this, but it doesn't like that. Yeah. And you're posting pictures on Instagram that have a picture of like a cucumber saying slag. Yeah. And you're like, what is this? Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. But it somehow beautifully embodies the frustration of gardening yeah. as well, I think. But yeah, I've been so amazed by how um, people really love those garden updates. Um, I can tell you at the minute, it is an absolute ghost town. Everything's fucked. The only thing okay. that I've um, been quite surprised by is I planted some raspberry. You plant them as these like sticks that you stick in the ground with roots and you and you feed the roots really well and then they create fresh raspberry shoots basically Ah. and i planted them uh, early summer and anyway like i've got dozens now and they look massive and juicy and gorgeous they're not quite there wow but oh yeah so never never heard you speak so nicely about your own uh offspring yes (laughs) thirsty juicy little bitches they are But it's funny because it sort of embodies for me the angle that you take on everything, which I adore so much, is that it's this thing we know with a twist. And I, because I remember when you started doing um, Joe Lysett's Got Your Back, I literally did a little dance because for two reasons, I was obsessed with That's Life. And <laughs> when the first ever conversations Will Young and I had about doing this podcast, one of our references was Esther Ranson and That's Life. Right, lovely. In that kind of, you talk to people and they talk back kind of thing. Yeah. Um, And that was the first thing. I was like, that's so great. Because there was another thing that it was seeing you do it in the original, playful, inventive way you do is so much more relatable. Esther Ranson did it with a certain motherly calm. Yeah. But I think the consumer show has an image of it tends to be, I'm just going to massively massively generalise to try and get my point across. It tends to be sort of slightly angry cook report style straight man saying, excuse me, I want a word with you. And and I think that's fascinating because actually a lot of, there's quite a lot of privilege in being able to walk up to people and say, oi, you. And and actually, people who don't have a voice, or perhaps are slightly more on the margins, I'm thinking of the LGBT community, have to think up interesting ways to get your point across, and how to get people on side, how to get people to listen to you. Yeah. And I felt that, wittingly or not, that's what I saw you doing. How interesting. Uh, again, I think it's come out of the fact that a lot of the uh, the things that we deal with on the show are things that make me angry. And when I get angry, I start to find things funny because anger is funny to me. <laughs> so, like, it's always a fine line with the stories and we always want to get results. But I think n- not taking it seriously is the key thing. And so we never take on anything that's, like, hugely, like, serious because 
that's not what we're there to do. We're there to mm. pull the trousers down of big companies that are behaving badly, essentially. Yes, you, you said an interesting thing about how companies don't mind looking bad, but they really hate looking stupid. Was it? That, was uh, that yeah, they, right? they they hate being laughed at. Yeah, they don't laughed mind. At, they don't, yeah, the, 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 if they get bad press, it's sort of kind of fine. But if they're sort of made to look silly, they don't really know what to do with that. Because bullies don't, you know, big, big uh, Donald Trump doesn't like to be laughed at. Any kind of dictatorial uh, in the mm. individual or group can't can't bear that because being laughed at is um, is the kind of ultimate humiliation, the ultimate sort of um, loss of power. loss of power, loss of power. So so it's it's weirdly effective and as and we have achieved in two series uh one of the stories we did in the second series was worth millions and then there's obviously like stuff like the hugo boss stuff which became like global news mm. <laughs> like you know when i remember i'm not, I'm I not going to make you explain it but everybody listening has to look up joe changing his name to hugo boss it's a beautiful story it's people still shout like hugo boss at me in the street it's great <laughs> i love it because every time every time they do I know that somebody knows what that story is. You know what I mean? It's like that somebody yeah, knows yeah. it, remembers it, and it's done something to the psyche of that person about that brand. They must fucking hate me. And I... It's, mwah, <laughs> mwah, it's, it's a comeuppance, yeah, isn't it? it is. It's like exactly. live, you're getting live proof that, it, that they got their comeuppance. Yeah. I'm not sure Esther Ransom would have done that. I, I, don't, I don't think she would no. have, but yeah. What springs to mind about you being inventive with getting your point across is there's this line in that show about uh, Mo Molum when she was trying to navigate, it's a drama, about the Northern Ireland peace process. And this is obviously heavy, important stuff, but she there's a line in the drama that I don't know if she said in real life, but it often springs to mind to me when I think about LGBT people, where she said... If I have to go into that room and pretend to that group of men that I'm a stupid woman in order to get them to do what I want, I will. Yeah. And it's that slight outsiderdom of knowing how to play it because you can't go direct. You have to go round. Yeah. That's really interesting. I hadn't really thought of it like that, but I imagine a lot of the, my approach to everything has come from that because camp is sort of seen as sort of silly I've always been mm. seen as, you know, I've never been physically very kind of um, elegant and whatever. So I'm, I've always been sort of seen as this daft idiot, essentially, that's sort of fun, but like as kind of not serious, can't really get anything done. And actually, it's really fun to be able to go, no, well, that actually, that daft idiot mm. side of things is very powerful. When it works, it's really hard to combat it. So I've sort of run with that and gone, okay, I'm not serious, but I'm going to mm. do serious things with my not seriousness. And that's actually, that's what I've tried to do in the stand-up as well. Is like, it's, it's, it's more about sort of commercial queer stuff kind of taking over pride and how kind of ugly I find that. And mm. that was a serious point that I wanted to make that was making me angry uh, and continues to make me angry. But I also saw it for like what is essentially just a silly thing and could could distance myself from it enough to go, I can take the piss out of this, even though it's making me angry. Yes. Pride became the marketing department stuff somehow. Yeah. If you turn your logo into a, into a rainbow, suddenly your sales are up. It's all good. 
but it's it's the mm. it's the fact that companies are using what I would describe as safe gaze, you know, six packed white normally. Uh, it, it's sort of bandwagon stuff, and actually there are there's all sorts of minority groups that are not represented by that and wouldn't ever be represented by that unless the tide turned in their favour. Essentially, I think it's, mm. in some ways, I think it's good because I think I'd rather they used gays than not and not at all. Uh, mm. But I also just urge people to see it for what it is, which is a sort of cynical uh, kind of cash grab of, <laughs> of a, a market that they maybe realise, oh shit, we couldn't tap into that before, but now we can mm. smack some money on a to get a, their logo on the side of a bus. I mean, it just ah, ah. Merry Christmas, listeners! That was part one of our brilliant interview with the lovely Joe Lysett. Are you full of Christmas cheer? I hope so. Please make sure you tune in for part two. It's more Christmas fun. It's more festivities. It's more jollity. It's more of my Christmas jumper. What more could you ask? 